Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our year-long study into revival by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and be turning to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. This is the final service worship service that we will have for 2020. (laughs) 2020 has been an experience in itself, hasn't it? So I felt like the Lord wanted us to get a word regarding the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry and his work and something that will challenge us and encourage us today. Patience. How is patience defined? Patience is calmly tolerating Delay, interruption, or confusion. Let me say that again. Patience is defined as calmly tolerating delay, interruption, or confusion. (laughs) As we close out 2020, I think all of us will agree that this has been a year of delay interruption, and confusion. Amen? (laughs) The pandemic has lasted longer than we anticipated. When this started back in March, we thought a few weeks and we'd be back to normal. It has lasted longer than we, than was anticipated. It was far, has been far more severe than expected. The finish line keeps moving Normal patterns of life have been redefined and almost every known institution from schools to churches to hospitals to whatever it might be have struggled to know what do we do and how do we live in the midst of 2020. This year, like no other time, has demanded that we experience and that we show patience. My question is, how are you doing? (laughs) Or how have you done in this year of 2020? And where do we find such patience? Because we're not finished yet. The year's about over. We still have some challenges to be faced. So where do we find this kind of patience? Where do we find this? We find this in the Lord Jesus Christ. You just need to write that down. If you're going to find patience and you're going to be able to tolerate the delays and the interruptions and confusion, and you're going to have the spirit that you need to have, the patience that you need, you're going to have to find it in Jesus. Because when Jesus walked here, we saw that he was patient. So today I want to focus just a few minutes on the pace of the master. The pace of the master. The master being the Lord Jesus Christ. What was his pace in life and what enabled him to have that pace? Well, let me tell you about Jesus whenever you you find out in the word we're about to look at one of those stories. But Throughout the word of God and then the gospels when it tells us about Jesus, you find that Jesus is always calm. 
Did you notice that? He, he's always calm. He, he seems to never be in a hurry. He seems to always have time when, when somebody's going to interrupt him. He always has time for that unexpected opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. I mean, you just find out that Jesus, the pace of Jesus is a calm pace that is there because he is patient. He's very, very patient. Even though, even though some of the people that he dealt with weren't patient. Hold on a second. Even though some of us in our lives, when he has to deal with us, we're not patient. Is that an amen or an oh me? (laughs) All right. Right. I mean, how how have you been doing? How have you been doing on this this scale of patience and and, and this calming pace that that we're supposed to be walking to be like Jesus? How how are you measuring up to that? Or are, are you always rushing around? You're always in a hurry. You're always trying to get things done and make sure you don't miss the boat. You're always anxious about whether or not that you can get all of what you're supposed to do done. Have you ever found yourself being upset, even angry, because something or someone interrupted you? Something came along that messed up your planned schedule. Something came on that that didn't allow it to happen according to your timetable. Am I talking to myself only? (laughs) Y'all look mighty holy. Brother Mac, that's not our problem. But we're glad that you're here to confess your problem. That's what I feel like. How do you do in this world? How how have you done whenever things have come your way? Well, to be like Jesus means that we let the life of Jesus be in us. And and to walk in the pace of Jesus means we're going to have to experience the patience of Jesus. And so I want to show you a couple examples of where Jesus shows tremendous patience even in dealing with things where I'm sure the people who were being ministered to didn't have great patience. The first of those is found here in Mark chapter 5. It's a familiar story that all of us probably know if you've studied the Bible very much. It's the story of Jesus ministering to two people on this journey. The first person that he's going to minister to is going to be a man named Jairus regarding his daughter who's sick. And then as they're journeying towards Jairus' house to minister to his daughter, he encounters the woman with the issue of blood or the hemorrhage who is very, very sick, who touches the hem of his garment. But now to appreciate this, to appreciate this, you've got to put yourself in the place of these participants. Uh, Most of the time we, we read scripture very sterile. Well, what I mean by that is we just kind of read it. Matter of fact, well, this is what it says and this is what happened. Instead of it being a life story, a life experience, 
of what happens in somebody on that day in that situation. And it would help us to, to be able to move ourselves into those situations to understand it. So I'm going to try to help you do that today. I read a book this week. I, we didn't have as much time. I had a little more time than I do, usually have. And I have all kinds of books. And I wanted, to read something, I wanted to read something that was kind of a fun book. That was, it wasn't real deep theologically, but it was something that would challenge you and, and minister. So I read a book by Karen Kingsbury. Y'all, y'all, many of you probably read, have read her stuff. I encourage you to read. She has a book called The Friends of Jesus. The Friends of Jesus. Now, it's not deep theologically at all, okay? And there's a lot of liberties that she takes in telling the story here or there. But, but it was a, it, it's, it's a fun thing to read because it, it gives some personality. And, and it does what I'm saying that we need to do. We need to allow ourselves to move into Scripture and see some personality there that we know is there. One of those stories that she tells about is Jairus' experience in regard to him being a friend of Jesus and what Jesus did for him. And so move yourself into Jairus' situation. It says here in verse 21, it says, And when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered about him, and he stayed by the seashore. And one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and upon seeing him, He fell at his feet and entreated him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her that she may get well and live. And Jesus went off with him and a great multitude was following him and pressing in on him. And a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. And she thought, if I just touch his garment, I shall get well. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And immediately Jesus perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? His disciples said to him, You see the multitude pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this, but the woman fearing, trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth or the whole story. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, there came from the house of the synagogue official, Jairus' house, saying, your daughter has died. You underline that. Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the synagogue official and he beheld a commotion, the people loudly wailing and weeping and wailing and entering in. He said to them, why make a commotion? The child has not died, but is asleep. And they were laughing at him, but putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. And taking the child by the hand, 
he said to her, Talitha kum, which translated means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk. Wow. She was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astounded and he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said that something should be given her to eat. Think about this story for just a minute. Could you imagine being Jairus? Jairus, it said, was a synagogue official. That means that he was in charge or one of the leaders of the synagogue where all the Jews would gather together and they would study and they would be taught and they would work and they would even carry on responsibilities like they had if they were priests or leaders of that particular group of where they gathered around that synagogue. They would at times determine that people were unclean and that they had to be cast out or they couldn't be with their families anymore or they couldn't be in normal life. All kinds of responsibilities they had. And he was a part of the synagogue, synagogue officials, which also, if you remember, some of the leaders of the synagogue officials were the ones who most disliked Jesus. (laughs) Because they felt like that Jesus was doing something to take away from the Jewish faith rather than to build the Jewish faith. And they felt like that if Jesus were popular, that they were going to lose their power and their significance. And therefore, they felt something inside of them needed to resist Jesus. And most of the officials in the synagogue resisted Jesus. It could have been that even Jairus, prior to his daughter getting ill, could have been one of those who didn't really like Jesus. <laughs> he didn't really need Jesus. He, he could have been opposed to Jesus and, and wanted to defend the faith against Jesus. But whenever his daughter, his 12-year-old daughter gets sick, and she is not just sick, she is sick to the point of death. We've heard that too often lately. She is sick to the point of death. Jairus, something happens in Jairus to where he is no longer concerned about who Jesus is or opposing him, but he has heard that Jesus has healed others and he wants his daughter to be well. So Jairus brings himself probably being opposed by those who are other synagogue officials who would be telling Jairus, Jairus, you don't need to go see Jesus. That's not going to help you any. But in his desperation, he goes to see Jesus. And when he goes to see Jesus, he says this, will you come with me? Will you come to my house? Because my 12-year-old daughter is about to die. She is at the point of death. And I need for you to come and heal her. Graciously, Jesus says that he will come and heal her, and they begin to take their journey. But wait a minute. Don't miss the fact that when it says they're taking a journey, Jesus was surrounded by a multitude of people. There's a great gathering of people around him. Matter of fact, there's such a gathering of people around him that whenever the woman touches Jesus and he asks the question, who touched me? His disciples basically say, what do you mean, Jesus? Who touched you? There are people touching you everywhere. That's what happens when you're in a crowd. That's what happens when you gather in a crowd. And so they begin traveling, but they're traveling with this whole multitude of people. Could you imagine what Jairus was wanting to do? Could you imagine what he wanted to say? Could you, have you ever been there? I know what I would have been if I would have been Jairus. I'd have said, Oleo, get out of the way. 
I just need to get out of the way. He's going, he's going to my house and, and my daughter's in need. And if he doesn't get there soon, she's going to die. Get out of our way. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus just walks along with the crowd. He walks along in that steady pace. He walks along with the multitude gathering all around him. And if you've ever walked in a multitude of people, and I'm sure you have, you've ever been to a ball game where there's 100,000 people or you've been to some gathers, you can't walk very fast. I happen to have longer legs and I like to walk fast. I can be totally, absolutely exhausted walking in a crowd because I have to walk slow. There's nothing more tiring than to walk slow when you're used to walking fast. And, and, and so in regard to that, Jairus wants them to walk fast, but they're all walking slow. And Jesus doesn't seem to be concerned about it. Jesus doesn't say, oh, you'll get out of the way. I got to get to Jairus' house. He's just walking slow and steady in the multitude. But that's not all. In the midst of that multitude, there's a woman who has a need. A woman who has a need, and she's had that need for 12 years. Her need is that she has a hemorrhage or an issue of blood, which, hold on a second, you got to remember, that makes her unclean. Okay? That makes her unclean. For 12 years, she has been unclean. Do you, know more than, do you know more than likely that Jairus knew that woman? He, he, he probably knew that woman. Matter of fact, he may have been one of those with the responsibility that whenever she came to him to find out whether or not she could be clean and she could worship and she could gather with people, year after year, she had been told, possibly by Jairus, you are unclean. You cannot come to worship. You cannot do what everybody else does because you have an issue of blood. He has possibly told that for 12 years. And how old is his daughter? 12 years old. You see a parallel there? Well, this woman comes up in the crowd. She, like Jairus, has heard about Jesus. She's so ashamed she doesn't want to, to talk to Jesus. But she says, if I can just touch his cloak, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. What great faith. And so she meanders her way through the crowd, reaches out and grabs the hem of his garment. And as he, she grabs the hem of his garment, something happens. Her faith has made her well because she believes if she touches Jesus, she'll be well. And the issue of blood is gone and the hemorrhage stops and she is made well. A miracle. Amazing. Nobody else knows what happens, but Jesus knows what happens. I, I love it when Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? Who touched me? And that's when his disciples said, Lord, what are you talking about? People are touching you everywhere. You've been touched on every side. But Jesus said this way, no, who touched me in that special way? Who touched me in such a way that the power of God 
came out of my body to minister to them. Who touched me that way? Jesus knew something had happened. And when he turns around the crowd and he looks, here is that woman who comes and kneels before him and says, I touched you, I touched you because I wanted to be made well. Hold on a second. What's Jairus doing? What would you be doing if you were Jairus? I'd be saying, get get out of the way. Get in line. Don't you know, don't you see, don't you understand what's happening? My daughter's about to die. And if I don't get the master to my daughter in time, she is going to die. That's what he wants to say. But what does Jesus do? Jesus turns around, stops in the crowd, and lets her tell her story. I mean, it's not just, okay, you're made well, I got to do a job. He stops right there and he says, okay, tell me what happened. And she tells him about, for 12 years I've gone to doctors and I've tried to do this and nobody's made me well and everything else. If I can believe and touch your garment. She he tells the story and Jesus has time to hear the story. All the while, Jairus is chewing his fingernails. If he were me. As soon as the story's over, there are messengers who come from Jairus' house and they say those dreaded words. Don't trouble the teacher any longer. It's too late. It's too late. Your daughter has died. Your daughter's died. What did Jesus say? Jesus looked at Jairus and said, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. Just believe. Just believe. And Jesus in that same steady pace, with that crowd still with him, walks that journey, going where? To Jairus' house to minister to a dead girl. But he never changes his pace. He walks all the way. Takes Peter, James, and John with him, along with Jairus and his, and his wife. And in the midst of laughter, when the mourners who say he's dead, and Jesus said she's just asleep, and they begin to laugh, Jesus doesn't pay a bit of attention to them, goes right past those mourners, goes in there, takes that little girl by the hand, says, Talitha kum, which means come, little girl, I say to you, get up. Her eyes open up, and she gets up, and she's whole, and she's well, and she's healed. And you find out that the pace of Jesus is okay. The patience of Jesus was sufficient. And that the need has been met. Even though every interruption could have kept that from happening, it did not matter to Jesus. Didn't change his pace one bit. In that story, I'm sure Jairus was dramatically changed, don't you? I don't think he could go without BJ. I think he was dramatically changed. He was changed because Jesus did exactly what Jesus was going to do, what he said he would do, whenever he needed to do it, and whatever he faced, he was able to take care of that. The patience of Jesus allows Jesus to walk at that pace. The patience of Jesus allows him to 
to carry on that journey. And, and when you see that story, I want to be more like Jesus than I am about, than I am Jairus. Don't you? Jairus had every reason, but I, I want to be more like Jesus. Well, it, that's not the only story. In John chapter 11, I'm not, you can read it when you get home. In John chapter 11, there, there's another story about, about some people. And these people should have known better. They should have been, they were closer to Jesus. There were, there were three in that family, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. You remember that family? You remember what happens in that story? Lazarus gets sick and Lazarus dies. And, and Mary and Martha had sent a message to Jesus saying, Hey, our brother is sick, and if, you, if you'll come over here, you can heal our brother. And Jesus, instead of immediately getting up and going, you remember what Jesus did? He stayed there two days longer. You know what he did? He stayed there two days longer. You know why he stayed? Because he had to stay two days longer because Lazarus had to die. And then he finally tells the disciples, we've got to go. We've got to take care of Lazarus. Lazarus is asleep. They said, well, Lord, if he's asleep, he'll wake up. No, Lazarus is dead. But for your sake, I'm glad that we weren't there because you're about to see the glory of God. When he walks up into, the, into Bethany where they live, Martha's the first to encounter him. And she comes out to him and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have lived. You could have healed him of his sickness. But now he is dead, and for four days he's been in the grave. There is no hope. And Jesus said, oh, oh, hey, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. You believe that, Martha? She said, I believe you're the Christ. I believe you're the Son of God. He says, well, if you'll really believe, you'll see the glory of God. Well, you might have questioned Martha. If you know, you know their history a little bit. Martha was always the busybody. She's the one who was always serving. She didn't sit at the feet of Jesus. But, but you remember the sister who did sit at the feet of Jesus? What was her name? Mary. So Mary is going to have a different heart. Mary finds out that Jesus is there, and she runs out to see Jesus. You know what she does? She does exactly what Martha did. Lord, if you had been here, our brother would have lived. But you're late. You're late. And because you're late, we'll never see our brother again. When Jesus says and repeats, did I not say to you that if you'll believe, you'll see the glory of God? He goes over there, stands before that grave and says, roll back the stone. Lord, he's been dead for four, four days. He's, he, he, he smells he's been dead. You, you know what four days for the Jewish culture, in the Jewish culture, the thought that the spirit of somebody would, would stay around their body for four days. It took four days for them to actually be considered as though they're dead. And for four days, Jesus wanted to make sure that they all knew Lazarus was dead. This is no, this is no miracle or something that happens where they thought he was dead. He, he did. He's dead. Move away that stone. And he calls Lazarus come forth. And here comes this one who is whole, who is healed, who is walking out, has grave clothes on him, has to take the grave clothes off. He's got life and living to do far greater than that. 
But the overwhelming thing about that story is Jesus is still walking that same pace. He, he just walks the pace. You know why Jesus walks that pace? Because he, he knows the end at the beginning. If you know the end at the beginning, you can walk whatever pace you choose to walk. Do you know that? There's another thing, there's another thing about Jesus... He will never miss the boat. We're all afraid we're going to miss the boat. I'm going to miss the boat. I'm going to miss the boat. I got to hurry. I got to get. I'm going to miss the boat. Jesus never worries about missing the boat because if he misses it, he just walks to it. Amen. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about missing the boat when you walk on water. To get there, he, he never worries about that. And Jesus always has an eternal view, not a temporal view. He's, he's far more concerned about his father being glorified. He's far more concerned about the eternal security of people. He's far more concerned about where they're going to be forever than he is about the temporal things of this life. And, and whenever he sees that and he knows that and he does that, it allows him to have a patience about his spirit that allows him to walk at his pace. When I see that, I don't know about you, and, and I'm telling you, God didn't wire me like that. Naturally, I'm not wired like that. Okay. But when I see that, I want that kind of patience in my heart, and I want to be able to walk in that pace. I want to be able to calmly handle delays and interruptions and confusion. I want to be able to have that in my life. How can I possibly have that in Jesus? In Jesus. Do you remember what do you remember what it says in Galatians 5.22? Galatians 5.22, Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. Now what this is saying is this is the fruit that the Spirit of God puts in your life and allows you to have in your life. It's one of the most amazing passages in all the world. You know why it's so amazing? Because it tells us this. That whenever we get saved and we have a relationship with Jesus, we don't just get heaven one day. Heaven one day is going to be good. Amen? You want to go to heaven? Yeah, I do. So I said, not right now, but I want to go there. Amen? I want to go to heaven. And what a wonderful thing that is. But Galatians 5.22 tells us this, that when you get Jesus, you don't just get to go to heaven, but that God actually shares his attributes with you. Do you hear that? God's attributes he imparts to people who believe in Jesus. And, and those attributes are called the fruit of the Spirit. And they go like this. Love, joy, peace, patience. Patience. You, you know what that tells us? That tells us that we actually, hold on a second now, that we actually can have the patience of Jesus. That we can actually, it's been imparted to us, the gift's been given to us, that we can have the patience of Jesus, which will allow us to walk at the pace of Jesus and to be able to focus on things as Jesus did. We, we can be different. We can be different. We can have the patience of Christ by His Spirit. 
Now, most of us is what we'll say. Lord, I need more patience. Lord, I need more patience. Lord, help me be more patient. We don't need to pray that. It's already been given to you. It's already been imparted to you. You shouldn't have to ask for that which you already have. I mean, this Christmas, when you got a gift and you just had that gift in your hand, did you turn around and ask for it again? Why in the world would you ask for that which you already have? You don't have to ask for it. It's already been imparted to you. All you have to do is claim it. Lord, when you made me, you didn't make me very patient. Lord, you didn't do that. So, so you knew, you knew that you had to give to me a gift. It's the gift that Jesus gives. It's the gift of who Jesus is. And as Jesus is patient, I claim that you gave me that gift. That you gave me that gift. That I can actually, in my life, I can actually calmly tolerate delays. I can do that. I, I, I have the ability, because of what you've done, that I can calmly handle interruptions. And, and I can live in the midst of confusion. I can do that because you have imparted that patience to me and allows me to walk at the pace of Jesus. Some of you, I can read, you know, I read minds. I, I do read minds. It, minds are easy to read. Usually the blanks in between the words that are hard whenever some of you blanks between. But I, I can, I can, some of you, some of you are thinking, uh, some of you are thinking, there's no way. That, there's no way. There's no way that that can happen. Let me tell you, when God gives a gift, it has been given It's not a shortage on his part of what he has given to you. You just got to open up the box. You just got to open up the box and claim it. You realize that? That he'll give you the same patience that Jesus had. If you'll only claim it. This year has been a time for us to test our patience. I don't know about you, but this year has been a, a time to just reveal whether you got it or not, whether you have it or not. And I, and I don't know what the, the first part of 2021 is going to be. I don't know what it's going to be like. We may have more opportunity to experience opportunities for patience. But could I say this to you? What the world needs, what the world needs is to see more people who walk like Jesus. Who walk in the pace of Jesus because they have the patience of Jesus. And they're not having to fight and bicker and be all, all things up in arms. They, they can just trust in the Lord in whatever we face and wherever we are. I, I don't share this message with you to, for you to go out and beat yourself up. Boy, I tell you what, Brother Mike must have been reading my mail. <laughs> he must have been living next door. Now, I'm, I'm not doing that. I let, all of us have had challenges. Every one of us have had challenges. I would be at the front of the line. But it has been a year to test us. A year to try us. A year to reveal who we are so that we can know What needs to happen for us to be who we're supposed to be? And I trust and pray that we allow the Lord to do that in our life. It's already given. You don't have to ask for it. Just open up the box.
claim it and experience it personally. Experience as a family. Experience as a church. Experience it because Jesus gave it to you. And what he is, what he was, is what we can be today. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.